Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we continue our reflections into Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth, his second letter to the Corinthians. We will continue our reflections into chapter 6, and as I was going through these verses, I don't know if we are going to get out of verse 2, because those first two verses are so rich, especially this emphasis on the now, the need to be reconciled with our brothers and sisters now. That word really struck me. So we're going to reflect into the importance of why we shouldn't be holding grudges, why we need to be reconciled with our brothers and sisters, this emphasis on the now. Okay, so this evening will also afford us the opportunity to reflect into that all-important gift of time. If you are a faithful listener to this radio program, you know that time is a, a very important subject for me because, well, it's relevance to our everyday life. All of that being said, before we get into 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I did want to respond to a question I received, and I thought it would be pertinent to speak to this today and maybe not wait till Thursday evening because... Well, what this radio program is all about, Seeds of Truth, and the question was this. God has called me to evangelization. God has called me to share my faith, and I just don't see the fruit. So what should I do with that? And my response to it is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) What did St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta once say? God calls us above all else to be faithful to what He has entrusted us with. So once we understand it's not about the numbers— but about being faithful to God, being faithful to the gospel, being faithful to our baptismal vows, and then we will understand that it's not about seeing someone convert per se, as much as just allowing God to plant his seeds, right? That's what it's about. I remember Archbishop Fulton Sheen on one occasion meeting with a priest, and the priest was all about the people he was converting. He says, so Archbishop, how many people have you converted recently? I think I've brought 17 people into the faith, and the good archbishop just kind of looked at him and said, don't count numbers. (laughs) Don't count. And is this not what uh, God says to David? Don't bother with the numbers. Allow me to do what I need to do. Let me worry about that, right? So, yeah, don't worry about the numbers. Just be faithful. Be faithful to what God is calling you to, and let God worry about conversion. Let God worry about transforming the heart. Uh, This radio program, Seeds of Truth, really is all about that by the grace of God, go I. We are just here on the radio program planting seeds, and however quick they grow, or however slow they grow, or however much water they receive, or, or however much water they don't receive, that's up to God. If we are doing everything in our power to fulfill our baptismal vocation of being in God and, and living for other, God will do what He needs to do. We just have to get out of His way, right? We just have to get out of His way. So let's do that. Let's 
not force, but just be those earthen vessels that God calls us to be. You know, often, often when I talk about this, I think of that analogy of the person who's driving along the highway and you, you come up against that first tomato stand and you look at that first tomato stand and you say to yourself, hmm, I'm kind of hungry. I can go for a tomato, but I don't really want to stop. So you drive another five miles and you come up to a second tomato stand and you kind of look at that tomato stand and you say to yourself, gosh, I can probably go for a few tomatoes, but you know what? I just don't want to stop. So you drive another five miles and you get to the third tomato stand and Boy, you're just about to hit the brake, but you don't want to stop. But by the time you, you hit the fourth or fifth tomato stand, you're not only stopping to buy a few tomatoes, you're probably buying the whole tomato stand, right? That's what happens with the Christian and Catholic faith. We plant seeds, and maybe we are that fourth or fifth tomato stand. Maybe we are, and, and maybe you're the person who someone comes up to you, and in that conversation, they make that decision, to decide for Jesus Christ. Maybe, but maybe you're that first tomato stand, or maybe you're even a tomato stand where <laughs> someone comes up to it and you're just put off by what you taste, or you, you, you're put off by, by what you see. And yet, still, nonetheless, something was planted there, right? Because remember what I've said about the challenge— Sometimes we don't like the challenge. Sometimes we don't like to be told certain things. But in the end, if that challenge is rooted in love and if that challenge is rooted in truth, it just might be that one challenge that someone goes back to. So once again, here on Seeds of Truth, we are about, by the grace of God, planting seeds and mindful that we're just doing God's work. We're in God's field. We're in God's vineyard. And we are letting him uh, wield his pruning knife as he wishes, as he desires. Okay, so if you are one who is caught up and and not seeing the fruit of your labor, don't worry. Be faithful, (laughs) as Mother Teresa reminds us, and be on your way. Be on your way in truth and love. Okay? All right. Now, if you have your Bibles out, if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, And as I noted off the top, we are probably just going to read verses 1 to 2. Working together then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in an acceptable time I heard you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. There he's quoting Isaiah. Behold, now is a very acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Okay, so here you have the emphasis, as I've already noted, on the now, and its context is, is on reconciliation. And before we get into the verses themselves, more topically, I think it would be important to speak to our everyday reality, especially as it relates to the grudges we hold, because I don't know about you, <laughs> but most of us know how our nature works, right? Uh, We are very quick to hold a grudge against someone who hurts our feelings or maybe someone who betrays us or mistreats us. When we encounter someone who has hurt us, what happens? Maybe that gnawing feeling wells up within us and leaves this pit in our stomach. 
And maybe you're even someone who wants to lash out. Lord knows I've been there. I've been in that place where someone has hurt me. I've been in their presence and I've wanted to lash out or someone has betrayed me or someone has mistreated me. And I've been in their presence and I've wanted to let them have it. Have you ever wanted to let anyone have it? I mean, we have all been there. But we have to intentionally fight that urge not to react, but respond in God's grace and learn from God. Imitate God. What do we read in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18? God longs to be gracious to us. You see, what's so fascinating about this, my friends, is that God has every reason, every reason, like no other person in human history, to hold a grudge against man, to hold a grudge against us for the times that we have pushed him aside. However, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, reminds us, reminds us, that God wants to pour out his grace upon us. So instead of battling a grudge, what does God teach us? But to forgive that we might be, what? Reconciled. And so as we try to understand that kind of grace that is exemplified by our Lord Jesus Christ, we also have to decide how to react to it. And here Paul provides a great example for us from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Right now we are in chapter 6, but we'll go ahead and jump up about six chapters, huh? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, where he says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Okay, so after recognizing God's grace has been poured out on him, St. Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Brothers and sisters, our reaction should be the same. We should see that God's grace gives us any power that we need. And remember here, the Greek word for power is dynamua, where we get the word dynamite, right? So this is an extraordinary power, a great power. It gives us the power to not only move on from our past, but to heal our past. It gives us the power to walk in the freedom of our salvation, a freedom that, as Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 reminds us, a salvation we work out in fear and trembling. And of course, with this freedom, we live the abundant life that God has planned for us. So we need to be reconciled with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, misunderstandings, tensions, and hurt can easily arise for any number of reasons between two people. Paul's words in these opening verses challenge both sides, do they not, <laughs> to exercise that all-important virtue of prudence, uh, especially when you start talking about those friendships that are close. In my experience, and I know in many um, people's experiences, 
breakdowns happen too frequently because of personality clashes or maybe even differing opinions over matters that, while they may seem important to the parties involved, do not really pertain to essential issues of the faith, essential issues of faith and morals, or even the well-being of the community. So St. Paul says, whatever the cause of division, understand that in his own words, now is a very acceptable time to be reconciled with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now is the acceptable time. And so the question that I think prevails in this subject matter is the how. You know, it's one thing to talk about what we're talking about right now uh, and even speak to the grace, but how do you acquire that grace? What needs to be in place but prayer? It's interesting that in these first two verses, Paul talks about vanity in relationship to grace. Now, we know grace as that, that gift of God's very life and love. When he speaks to vanity, he's speaking to what is a waste of time, what is nothingness. The word vanity comes from the Latin vanus, which literally means emptiness or nothingness, or best translated as a waste of time. And so, as I spoke to it off the top, there's this need to reflect into time itself. I love the practical reflection that one can gain when you just reflect into the minutes in a day. There are 1,440 minutes in a day, and researchers tell us that we sleep approximately seven hours a day. So, how many minutes does that leave us with? But approximately a thousand minutes of non-sleep uh, time, if you will, of non-sleep time to eat, to work, to play, and yes, my dear friends, also to pray. So there are questions that are before us. How many minutes do we spend reading sacred scripture? How many minutes do we set aside for God to actually listen to God? Where do all of our waking minutes go? It's easy to see the connection between our restless age and material things, some good and some bad. Why? Because of our use of time. I mean, we can rapidly list some of the tangibles that vie for our attention, can we not? Cars, houses, television, computers, our iPhones, so on and so forth. <laughs> but we seldom count the cost of our attachments to those things. You see, my friends, intemperate behavior towards material things ultimately results in the loss of what but time. We also can be attached to intangibles, can we not? For example, as I was just noting, you know, the word vanity, literally meaning emptiness or nothingness, brings to mind our excessive attention to one's physical appearance. But the danger of vanity is not necessarily in, say, the superficial trappings, but rather in the fact that our obsessions lead to a significant waste in time. A participation in time that is idle and void of any meaning, right? 
What does St. Paul say in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 16? Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making, pay close attention here, the most of your time because the days are evil. So here Paul is reminding us that making good use of our time can only take place if we walk in the way of wisdom, carefully discerning intemperate behavior and eliminating those things that lead us to squander that precious and fleeting gift of time. Just as uh, Satan works around the clock to disrupt God's work, so we ought to constantly counter works of evil with works of charity. St. John Paul II, in one of his documents, says, and I love this, since the work that awaits everyone in the vineyard of the Lord is so great, there is no place for idleness. I love that. There is no place for idleness. You know, all this discussion and talk about idleness should remind us of that, that all-important maxim, idle hands is Satan's workshop, and it really is. So we need to be active, right? What does St. Augustine say? Pray as if everything is up to God and work as if everything is up to you. Huh? So pray as if everything is up to God and work as if everything is up to you. Now, this talk of time has us going back into sacred scripture and the Greek, and I think it's really important to do so because it helps us better understand how we conceptualize time. More specifically, how we consider man's time, chronos, and how that's determined in the light of God's time, kairos. So chronos includes the minutes we put into our iPads and our iPhones, regulated by the 24-hour day, seven-day week, and 365-day year. Kairos, on the other hand, is the appointed time for the purposes of God. So ultimately, along our faith journey of prayer, chronos really can only be understood in the light of what? Kairos. So man's time can really only be understood in the light of God's time. Kairos, grace time. And it is prayer, our ongoing conversation with God, that opens us up to kairos and begins to inform chronos to best use. So kairos God's grace time, not Kronos, should give order to our days, should give order to our, to our minutes, huh? You know, we have the tendency to be preoccupied with things outside of our control, and consequently we get bogged down by, by Kronos. Does Jesus not tell us that this is precisely what we must avoid? Does Jesus not urge us not to worry or become anxious about what tomorrow will bring? You know, it's interesting. The Greek for anxious and worry is best translated as preoccupied. Isn't that interesting? We get anxious about things. We worry about things because we are preoccupied with things that we don't always control. So Jesus says, trust in me allow my providential sovereign love to provide for you and your, your soul and your heart will be at peace. Again, 
Pray as if everything is up to God. Work as if everything is up to you, and you'll find that happy medium. You'll find that place of resolve. Okay, so uh, very important as we talk about the gift of time. Now, another important piece to this discussion is the relationship between who we are and what we do, because being always precedes action. I'll say that again. Being always precedes action. Are we called human beings or human doings? We're human beings, not human doings, yet we tend to overemphasize the the doing, right? God put us on this earth to work. But what gives shape and form to that work? But who we are, what we do will be what it needs to be if we are who we are called to be in God. This is why being precedes action. Because only in the light of embracing each and every second, each and every minute as pregnant with eternal significance, will we begin to understand what God wants us to do. God has given us so many gifts, so many talents. So many of us out there are very good with our hands. When we are in a right relationship with God, we have received this grace, this awareness to then what we do with our hands, offer that to God. So we enter into who we are in our being in God. And again, this will give shape and form to what we do. Um, And I talk about all of this because, yes, this is a grace. And we cannot do what we are called to do. We cannot be present to what we are called to be present to if we are not right with God, if we are not right with our brothers and sisters in Christ, a grudge that we have towards someone can have such a power over us. I was in a conversation with someone just the other day, and they were very open in sharing to me that their prayer life has not been the same over recent months because they were holding this grudge towards someone. And it really hit them about two, three weeks ago that a lot of their prayer was broken and and fractured because their mind would wander towards the person that hurt them, the person that betrayed them. And she just wanted to let it go, but she couldn't. And so finally she brought this before God and we kind of talked through it. And now she's allowing God's grace to transform her heart through and through. Forgiveness is a divine act. We have to first allow God in his grace to transform our hearts what you will find is this new grace, is this new sense of peace that when you are around the person who hurt you, who betrayed you, you will not be bound up in this hate and and in this holding of a grudge. So we need to take all of this before God. Why? Well, what does Paul say? Now is the acceptable time. Now is the acceptable time. And so uh, we are grateful for what Paul speaks to here, which is that singular grace which affords us to be right with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And a grace that allows us to go deeper into the very heart of God, right? Maybe we are holding a grudge against God. But brothers and sisters, remember what I have said to that 
if you are one who says, if God was so loving, why is there evil in the world? Remember, it's because God is so loving that there is evil in the world because you cannot have love without freedom because ultimately love doesn't come from without but from within. Love can only be love if it is freely given from within. And so ultimately, once you have freedom as a prerequisite for something, and of course, in this case, love, then you have the choice, the choice between the good and evil, the choice between the right and the wrong. People choose the wrong, people choose evil, and that leads to chaos, that leads to dysfunction, that leads to brokenness, that leads to heartache. But what Jesus teaches us on the cross is to what? Say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So we echo those words in every possible circumstance. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And understand, if those words are going to penetrate your heart, they can only do so in God's grace. That grace, which is like sap, right? Sap contains all of the life-giving nutrients of the tree, the hormones, the water, all of which properly belongs to the tree. Well, grace is like sap because grace contains all of the life-giving properties of God. Amen? Amen. All right, I am looking up at the clock. We are out of time. If you have any questions, comments, and observations, please do not hesitate to email me or send a message. I love to engage you in conversation. I, I love to respond to your questions. I love to get to know you. This has certainly been a form from which I have been able to get to know so many new people, and I am uh, eternally grateful for that. You have heard me say before that my favorite thing about Seeds of Truth Radio and, and what I do here in Chico, California has been a means to uh, getting to know so many new people. So I'm grateful for that. Send your message on its way. Um, if you didn't hear it from the outro, you can email me at jholljmj at yahoo.com or you can go to my website at joholcraft.org. That's J-O-E-H-O-L-L-C-R-A-F-T dot org. Just uh, hit the contact link button there and send your message on its way. All right, with that, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.